You're listening to the All In Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Blake, giving you a new perspective on the dental industry. Are you ready to go all in? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Welcome to the All In Podcast, the podcast that brings you a new perspective on the dental industry and so much more. Oh, yeah, so much more. I'm your host, Shane McElroy. And thank you so much for joining me today. That's right, it's just me again, all by myself, so lonely. Now now that you're listening though, well, I'm in good company. So I appreciate that. I, I do want to thank everybody who's continued to listen, continue to send texts and messages and things like that. I appreciate it. I know you guys want more episodes, more content, and working on it. Going to be a little sporadic for a little while probably. Uh, wanted to get this episode out to you though. I, I do think that uh, I'll probably pick it up a little bit more in the next few months and, and hopefully get a little more consistent with releasing episodes again. Uh, a lot of cool stuff coming. Now that the world is coming back to somewhat of a new reality and, and, and somewhat normalized, you know, had more motivation to kind of think about this and do it. But honestly, just got in a real kind of lag there and been working a lot and had a lot of stuff going on with the family, building a new deck and doing all sorts of new family stuff. And, and that's obviously not the deck, but the family is first and foremost. So I apologize for not pumping out as much content as we usually have, but I think we'll probably get back on track pretty soon. So if you got ideas for episodes or things you want to hear about or learn, go to at all underscore in underscore podcast on Instagram and just DM us there. Um, or at Implant MBA on Instagram, you can message me there as well. Either one's fine. Uh, give me a heads up. And thanks again for tuning in. This episode is... Probably going to be a little short one unless I ramble, which, you know, never, ever really happens, right? <laughs> yeah, I, know I do that sometimes. But I wanted to talk, I, for whatever reason, I've been thinking about it, like some of the, the people have really big impact in my career, specifically like direct managers. So there's been like a billion people who have had major impacts on my career. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to, you know, that could be random, right? That could be anybody you meet, could like situational, right? But what I really want to focus on in this episode is like my direct managers at one point, right? Um, and I'm going to talk about three of them today. I've had more of that in my career. Um, and I mean like direct report, you know, but uh, let's just say if I don't mention them on this, mention them on this particular episode, then I'm being kind because maybe I didn't, uh, didn't uh, think their management style was the best or maybe I didn't uh, get along with them as well. But, you know, that was actually very rare in my career and pretty early on. I've been very fortunate in the people who I've gotten to work for and get to learn from and who were my leaders. And I think it's a better way to think about it. They were they were real leaders instead of just managers. Nobody wants to be managed, let's be honest. But I think it's important to whether, you know, you may be a doctor listening to this episode because usually you have to manage people as well. This may bring some value to you. Maybe you're in sales and maybe you, you want to get to management level. Um, or maybe you just want to understand it better. But I think you can do a lot by just paying attention to what your manager does, and you may hate them, right? But I will give you this piece of advice. Pay attention to what they're doing wrong. Analyze why you don't like them or what they have done or what you don't think they do correctly because you can do the exact opposite if you ever get to that point, and you can use that to learn. Um, so I think that's important with those types of managers. Some are better than others. Let's just put it that way. But I'm going to talk about the the, the three biggest direct reports that I've had in my career, specifically in dental, um, 
and, and, and I'm really grateful to all of them because they all had major impacts in my career. Um, they will all have one commonality though, always, you know, once I earned their trust, they all always had my back always, right? If, if I was doing the right thing, they, they trusted me, they believed in me. They always had my back. They would put their, their, you know, necks on the line for me. And they did time and time again. And I really appreciate that. And I think that's very important. That's, that's a real leader, right? Believe in your people and you will go to war with them, right? And not only will you go to war with them, you'll put yourself in front of them. And, and because of that, I would do the exact same thing for them. So that's one thing that all great leaders have in common is that they, you know, the people who have earned their trust, they will go to bat for every time. And that's really important. But I'm going to start out with uh, my first manager in dental. Uh, his name's Andy Hansen. Uh, this is back in my burst slanging days. And Andy, what's interesting is, you know, there is some natural charisma that some people have and and are really good, you know, center, you know, life of the party. There's always people around. That's Andy, right? Andy walks in a room and I don't care if it's a boardroom. I don't care if it's a bar. I don't care if it's a, a dental office. Like he's fun to be around. He has immediate connection with people. And a lot of people assume that's me too. It is not right. Like I think I have to, to some degree, I'm pretty good at that. Um, but not like Andy, <laughs> right? Like that's like elite, like I'm fun dude, super smart, super intelligent, uh, can really break down a person instantaneously and just like connect with them. For me, that took a little more work and I was more of the problem solver for that person. That's how I did it. But that was Andy and I couldn't be Andy, right? But he taught me a lot. He really helped me figure out my skill sets and, uh, and, and maximize that. And I think one of the best things that he ever did for me was pretty early on there. You know, when you're feeling down one day or you're like, I think it was my first year there. It had to be my first year, probably first six months or so. I think it was like going through a breakup or something. This was so long ago, folks. So, you know, over a decade, probably 15 years ago almost now. Um, I think it was going through a breakup. It was just mentally in a bad spot. And I think the day before we had a gas shortage or something in, in Atlanta, and that day I just was not feeling it. I just wasn't ready to go out and I just, I wasn't going to be effective, right? I just wasn't going to be. I just needed a mental break, but I was early on. I really couldn't ask for the day off or anything. And Andy randomly called me and I don't remember why, but he's like, Hey, what you up to, man? I was like, Oh, well, you know, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do and schedule my, you know, can't get gas now, the gas shortage or whatever. And, you know, just coming up with some, some crap. Dude. It was just wasn't true. Um, Andy was amazing at this is just like he could smell it from across the country on the phone. He goes, um, Shane, you're full of shit is what he said to me. And I was like, uh, can you talk to me that way? <laughs> right. And I was just like shocked. Uh, jaw, I mean, you could, you could visualize my jaw dropping on the floor. He goes, you think I'm stupid? Like I can look at the news. I can look it up online. Um, you know, there's gas there. You know, there is. He's like, so so this is your first and last warning. Don't you ever lie to me again or you will be fired. Scared the absolute bejesus out of me. And you know what? It was awesome. Uh, he goes, now tell me what the hell is really going on, right? So I was scared. He was furious with me for lying to him. And, and frankly, he should be. I, I can't stand liars. And I'm admitting I've done it to myself, right? And at that moment, he goes, you don't need to lie to me. If you're having a, a one of those days, you just call me and you tell me. I understand. I've been there. I've got, it's okay, right? But it's not okay to lie to me ever. He goes, how can I ever trust you if you don't trust me to tell me the truth? I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, all right then. 
but he, but what he was doing was not allowing my me to BS him, right? You ever seen that movie, Role Models, where she's going, get BS a BS her, right? That was certainly the case with Andy. But he flipped it. By the end of the call, you know, when you, if you have kids, like they do something bad, right? And you just like, you can never do that again. Do you understand me? And they're like, uh, frozen because they're fear. But I still love you, right? So you, you've learned your lesson, uh, but it got me into in shape, right? But I, I'm still here for you, right? It's not the end of the world. Forget about it. We're good as long as you keep the right path going forward. Really was important. And I think that's also important that he never allowed me to be less than my potential. You know, we get lazy with ourselves. We make excuses for ourselves because we're just kind of lazy sometimes. You know, everybody gets that way. But, you know, all the managers I'm going to speak about, they also did that. They never allowed me or allowed me to just make up crap, like not be my best. And, and that's super important. And because of that, it's helped me advance in my career. Um, so that's the first thing Eddie did. You know, one thing he was also really good with, because he could take that tone from like, you're terrified of him. And I'm not saying that's always the approach, but it works for Andy, okay? But when you did well, he just like, because he was so fun and so awesome, would take you out drinking with him, hanging out, shower you with his attention. And that is what he used as a reward system. You know, whether that was subconsciously or consciously, I don't really know, but it worked. So, you know, for the, if you're not doing the right things, he's not fun to be around. But for, if you did the right things, he would just like you, you would crave that attention from Andy because Andy's that kind of guy and you want him to pay attention to you and, and hang out with you and tell you a great job. Right. He was amazing at that. So, so, you know, for successful people and the people who did the things he said, he would, you know, the, the company I worked for really couldn't pay us a ton, but that to me was was a huge reward, was that positive attention and hanging out. And we're still friends to this day. Like, I love Andy. Andy's awesome. Uh, crazy out of his mind in the best kind of way, but he's awesome. Uh, the other part is, this part was hard for me, what he taught me. And this is when I became a manager. Like, he got me promoted to being a manager at that company. And what he did was was taught me how to let others fail. So we're at a trade show and we sold burrs and diamonds. And at these things, if somebody comes up with burrs and diamonds, it's not like it's a, a comb beam. It's not like a hundred thousand dollar, you know, Sarek machine or something like that. It's, you know, each one's like anywhere from a dollar to like say $10 each. And like, so you're slaying, this is like sales, sales, right? So you have to like find their good points and hit it, hit it hard and all that stuff. And, and, you know, at that point I was pretty damn good at sales, like because he had taught me, um, he used to tease me. He's like, once I was crushing it all the time, then he was like, he wouldn't just give me that, well, you're as good as you can get now. He'd be like, well, you know, when I was in the field, I did X, Y, and Z. And that would always push me to further. But the thing he really, that I really took to heart was I, we had somebody and I was training them because they were working for me now and I worked for Andy. And Andy was kind of observing us at some trade show. And this person who I had hired, she was just struggling, right? Like it was just so bad, just fumbling over words, couldn't, I just couldn't stand it because like, I just want to close. I just want to, don't want to lose that sale. Right. And he goes, he, I, I swoop in and I saved the sale. Right. I saved it. Good thing. Right. So I went over to Andy later. He's like, he's like, what'd you do? It's like, I closed that sale, bro. It's like, he goes, bro, you're a manager now. It's like, you gotta let them fail sometimes. How can they get better if there's always a safety net? 
right? How can they improve without failure? Failure is incredibly important in the learning process, right? Nobody wants to fail. And if you fail, you don't want to do that again, right? The smart people learn from their failures. But I never allowed them to fail. So how could they get better? How could they feel that pain, right, to get there? And I go, but man, we got it. But I'm trying to close all the business again. He goes, I get it. He goes, do you know how hard it is for me too, <laughs> right? He goes, do you remember you first started? You sucked. It's <laughs> just like, no, I didn't. He's like, yeah, you did. Um, he's like, if you don't let her fail, that's a small failure, right? It's not a $100,000 deal. It's not this or that. It was probably like a $1,000 deal, okay, max. How can she get better if, you, if you're always there to save her? So smart, right? Um, I'll kind of give you a story from, from my personal life that matches with that. So my son was climbing, climbing a tree the other day. And I actually applied this to to my you know family life. He's climbing a tree and he got up pretty, pretty good. He's like on this first branch. It's maybe a few feet down, no big deal. But he couldn't get down. He figured out how to get up there, but he couldn't get down. He's like, daddy, daddy, help. And I'm standing right there, right? If he was really going to hurt himself, I would catch him. But I go, buddy, what if I wasn't here? What would you do? What would you do, man? And this is why he's hanging on a tree. It's like, uh, well, I, I'd probably crawl over that little farther down and, and, and kind of, and then just jump down. I'm like, all right. So it was a scenario where, and he finally did. He jumped down. He, he skinned his knee or something a little bit. No big deal. But he's like, I did it, daddy. I did it. I was like, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And I didn't help you. So he got hurt a little bit, but he learned. He goes, not to climb that tree unless I know, don't go up unless I know how to get back down, right? That small failure taught him a lesson. And it wasn't a failure that was going to crush him, right? He wasn't going to break his leg. He wasn't really going to seriously injure himself. It was hard because I, I never want my son to hurt at all. But it's a great lesson. He was he left smiling and laughing, right? He didn't even cry. But, but he learned. He got scared for a second. Like, what if daddy isn't there? Same thing applies here. What if I'm not there? What are you going to do if I'm not there? I need to know that you're ready to be out there on your own representing this company, right? So that was that was just a huge lesson. Andy, thank you for all you've done in my career. I will never say this to your face. So I'm going to pretend like I never did. <laughs> but thank you. You huge mentor for me uh, early in my career, especially, especially when I needed it. Now I'll move on to my second manager uh, that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Mike Mapstone. He was at my pre former implant company that I was with. Um, still there, still a really good friend. Uh, completely different from Andy. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Just completely different personality types. Um, Mike's more, I guess, traditional if you think about it. He, he was not as hot and cold as Andy, like up and down. More like even keeled, right? And really our styles were completely different. Um, like just completely, like, you know, I mean, listen, listen to me. I'm all over the place, right? Uh, Mike was very consistent. But the first thing I learned from Mike was that early on when he was, he was, I was like, I'd go to him and be like, hey, um, is there any way, I'd be afraid to ask him for something. Like, is there any way that you could help me this and, and that? I, I'm having trouble. I need, really need to get this thing through, this deal through. But, you know, I, I need help to getting it through. And he goes, he goes, you never apologize for coming to me for help. He goes, you got to understand, Shane. Um, what he does, I, I now call flipping the hierarchy. Okay. I don't even know if that's a real term. I just made it up, but he goes, I work for you, not the other way around. You need something. I'm going to help you get it. Right. Because he knew I was good at sales and he had trusted me at that point. He goes, I work for you, but he did that for all of his people. Right. Holy crap. You work for me, but like you're, you're my boss, right? This is something I'm completely taking to heart. And I think it's very important. I think the best leaders do this. They, work for their people, right? If you look at an organizational chart, usually it's like the CEO 
at the very top and then you have your VP. So it looks like an upside down tree kind of with branches and everything. And then the people want to work with them and it spreads out. So everybody's, you know, works for that person up top. But what Mike taught me was that in a, in a, a real leadership position, you completely flip that hierarchy. You owe it to your people, right? The people that are on your team. He never said I worked for him. I was on his team. We were on the same team and I worked, he worked for me. Right. And I was like, damn, like I really took that to heart. And I was like, you know what? That's amazing. Right. If you ever listen to Gary Vee, Gary Vee is very much like that too. It's like, it's what I can do for my people, not what my, do for, my people can do for me. And what ends up happening is that builds loyalty. Incredibly loyal to Mike still. To this, I love that dude. He's awesome. Um, but that was huge to me. That was that that flip of my mindset is that humility is really what that is. It's not being below doing anything and like always having your people's back. It's also very selfless. Now that dude came in his first year as a manager. The next that year and the next four years he won, you know, manager of the year. Like his regions crushed year after year after year after year. And not once, not literally not once, he took credit for any of it. Because it's not me. He's like, I'm just riding the coattails of my people. It's about them. It's what it's what Charles did. It's what Olivier did. It's what Shane did. It's what Brian did. It's what this, you know, Eddie did. It's what always that. Always it was never about him. He would refuse to take credit. I'm like, man, that's hard. Because for me at that time in my career, I liked the credit. I liked all that stuff. Like I really, really did. And I'm I hate admitting it, but it's true. Especially when you're in sales, like it's about that. It's about the recognition. And never once did he, he want it. Later on, he told me why. He goes, what do I need credit for? He goes, it's quite obvious that if you guys are doing well, then that makes me look good and I do my job. I don't need any credit. You guys take all the credit because I, I get it by proxy. He goes, I don't need to have that recognition. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, that makes that makes a lot a lot of sense, right? And it, But he's just that type of person. He doesn't need it. And, he, it, and it leads me to the third thing they did that, you know, I was, <laughs> made him just an incredible manager. Um, he put others' wants and needs before his own. Literally, with me, more than once, he went to, uh, you know, the people he reported to, and said, you know, Shane wants to do more. I think he's deserved it. He got them to create a position for me that didn't exist, right? He was a huge part of that. And then later on, like he did that again and again. And and sometimes the opportunities weren't there, but he did that. And I would always be honest with him and say, hey, here's what I want to do in my career and this and that. He goes, you know, it means you might not be on my team, but if that's what you want, you know, what? if it, it's better for you and your family, then let me go see if I can make it happen. So it wasn't about him. It, what would hurt him in the short term and maybe in the long term, it didn't matter because it was important to me. It was bettering my situation. So I've really taken that to heart too. Like that's something I try to apply every single day. It's about others first. It's selflessness, humility, um, huge deal. It's a big deal. And it's not a shock why he has been incredibly successful as a manager. He's also the reason that I started like breaking it down and thinking about these things. You know, early on in your career, you don't think, you, you just absorb it. I had to retrospectively go back like with Andy and think about all the things he did and the impact he had. I, you kind of take it for granted at the time because you're just, you're a sponge and you're just taking it in. You don't really take the time to break it down. But Mike had said something like I was reading like a like a Covey book. It was like sales and leadership kind of stuff. And I forget. He's got a billion books. I don't know which one it was. But I remember like catching something and calling Mike and be like, hey, I was just reading this book. It's like 
I don't even know if you do that, know you that you do this, but like you do what they say in this book, like specifically. And he just started laughing. He's like, it's like maybe he sent me like a, a picture of a couple other books. Like he's got all of them, right? And he's like, um, yeah, what a big coincidence, bud, right? Maybe you should read this one next. And I go, oh my God. I felt like such a moron. He wasn't mean about it, but I felt like such an idiot. He's like, oh, you, you were actually studying to be better at what you do. You were reading these books before I ever got there. Oh, and you're applying what you've learned. Oh, I'm a moron. I should probably jump on this pretty quick. But it made me realize like, oh, it also made me realize like you don't, you're not inherently born with all this. Like you have abilities and skills as a leader that make you, you know, better than others, like get a head start. But nobody's perfect at it. I certainly am not at all. <laughs> right? I just try to get better every day. But you put the work in to get better. And he goes, Shane, if you knew, so you, I was like, you're, you're Jedi mind tricking me the whole time, right? He goes, he goes, I guess you call it that. He goes, nobody wants to be managed. If you knew that I was managing you, if you were using these strategies and tactics to manage you, you wouldn't like it. Like you'd know that you're being positive, positively manipulated. I don't know if that's the words he used, but that was kind of the gist of it. I'm like, man, positive manipulation. That's a good thing, right? Like, you can be manipulated negatively. That's certainly a horrible thing, but people can manipulate you to do positive things. And so you can learn a lot. You can learn strategies and tactics and techniques and, and things that can improve you as a leader and then apply those techniques like to manage people so they don't know they're being managed. You're leading them in the right direction, right? And Mike was a master of that. So Mike, thank you for all you've done in my career. Um, you keep saying we're going to go play golf and, and we still haven't done it yet. So what's up with that? What's up with that? Uh, but that'll take me to my the third person I'm gonna talk about. That's my current boss. It was the first time I actually got to choose my boss. Um, to be honest with you, I, I inherited the other two. Was just incredibly lucky. Um, but my current boss, um, well, let's say this: my current leader, because that is what she is, Nan Meehan. Um, incredible, like super creative, super smart, um, funny, just like innovative, really creative. What I would consider her is a a she doesn't know I'm doing this, by the way, so I hope it's okay. None of them really do. hope they like it. Uh, sorry, Nan, if that's not okay, but it's happening. Uh, but she's a, a teacher and an empowerer um, is the best way to describe her, which is actually kind of funny because uh, her degree, is, I believe, is in teaching, right? Uh, at least her, her undergraduate degree. And one thing about that is, you know, I think people are afraid to, to sound stupid, right, uh, by asking a question. Or they pretend that they know something because – they don't want their boss to know that they don't know something. Oh my God, how do you not know everything? Right? <laughs> Which is dumb if you think about it. The fact that you're afraid to ask a question that would help you learn and become better, that to have a fear of that, whoever creates that fear is not doing is not being a leader, right? They're being a horrible manager. She is incredible about being a teacher, right? Never once hesitated. And it's also because I have zero fear, probably because I'm dumb. But I always ask every question. Like, I'm not afraid to be uh, uninformed at that time if it's in an effort to learn more. And she takes the time to answer every question and, like, break it down for me in a way that she knows how I understand. And that's one thing she's very good at. There's tons of different personality types. Tons. Not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody has the same attention span, all that. Um it's funny, her personality index is very similar to mine, so maybe that helps in the sense that she understands this the crazy brain that I have and, and how I learn. But she takes the time. She never makes me feel dumb about asking a question or not understanding something or not knowing something on the front end, right? You know, if it's something I should have studied but 
been prepared for. That's a little different, right? But just something that came up a topic of conversation, I, I wasn't sure. So ask. And you never want to make anybody feel dumb. She's amazing at that. She's a great, great teacher and very patient in that regard. Um, she's She leads by listening and empowering. And this is something I struggle with that I'm trying to get better at, right? Is listening first instead of talking so much. Maybe doing a podcast doesn't help that because I'm sitting here just looking at a microphone. But she listens to people's idea, ideas and allows them to be put into action if there's stipulation here. You're willing to put the work in and you really thought it out, right? Which kind of leads into the third thing is how to take – she's taught me how to take an idea – and formulate a strategy, and more importantly, a business plan, and an ability to communicate that to everyone in an organization, externally in an organization, that any type of learning style anybody can, can understand, right? Because think about this. How, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had this brilliant idea, right, and thought it was amazing, you know, this widget or this thing or this plan or whatever, and go to upper management and be like, I've got this idea. They're like, that's great. Um, is that it? And at the time, I'm like, Oh, they don't even care. They don't even want it. Like they don't even listen to me. They don't care about it. And then I thought about it. Well, maybe I was the problem, right? Because how many other people came to them with these ideas, right? An idea is worthless. Idea is worthless unless there's a way to enact it, a strategy or a plan um, to implement it, right? Can we afford to do it? Is there an ROI with it, right? Like all these different things that had to be considered. Not just I had this cool idea. It starts with an idea. But if you don't go past that, then it's worthless. And uh, again, I've had a billion ideas that I did nothing with because uh, I didn't know how at the time. Um, and I'll give you a good example. So my kid the other day, Wyatt, really smart kid, um, but he's seven years old. And he goes, well, I, Daddy, I, you know, I'm going to be a scientist. I was like, cool. He's like, but I'm doing it because I want to invent something. I was like, what are you going to invent? He's like, um, I'm going to invent a cure to every disease so everybody's good, everybody's healthy, happy. It's like, oh, that's great. How are you going to do that? He goes, we're just going to invent it. <laughs> it's like, oh, that easy, huh? Cool. You know, with a kid, I was just like, great. That's awesome. I'm glad you realized you need to be a scientist or leading down that path. At least he thought that far ahead. But now think about that. How often do we come up with ideas like, oh, yeah, I, I, we could solve all the world's problems if we just had a time machine. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's have a time machine. Oh, wait, you need to know how to build it. And you need to make sure you have the funds to have the stuff to build it and the research behind it and the scientists and all this and that. Is it even, you know, is it even possible, right? Like you didn't consider any of the other things around it. You just had the idea. You didn't think of the consequences of idea because some ideas may have negative consequences that you're not considering. And so they're not thought out, right? Because most people haven't been taught to think that way. And this is something she's done at a very high level. Help me understand, all right, your idea. What's the end goal? Start with the end in mind. All right, if we do this idea... See, it's hard for me. You guys know, you can listen to this and see I jump around a lot. I can see if if there's a vision and we're at A, I can see Z, but it was very difficult for me to see or uh, explain B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, all the way through, right? Like that was incredibly difficult for me. And and so it's become much easier to do so, right? For the analytical thinker, for the people who are um, in an office and they break down numbers, but they don't necessarily go in the field. So they don't understand dentistry as well, because that's not their job. Their job is more important for them to understand the numbers so that we make sure we are financially successful, that people have jobs, right? How do I explain that to them? And how do I also explain that other side of that to back to the, the people who are really good at dentistry, right? So creating a business plan, understanding what would the cost of doing 
these things, how to enact this, how to create the strategy. Once we have this, what would you go to market with it? And how would you do so? And this and that. And so she's really taught me how to stop and break things down to take an idea and turn it into a reality. And that's a big deal. And so I'll continue to learn from her uh, and do so many things. But like, and, and having this this way with her that creativity is a good thing, right? And and I will listen to anyone and everyone. And that's important. So, you know, I kind of went on a lot of different things, but I wanted to talk about this because these three people have had, you know, a tremendous impact in my career. Um, others have as well. But again, my direct manager, direct report. So I think it's important to, to if you manage people or, or aspire to be that, start thinking about these things. Whether it's your current manager, you can observe the things they do. Talk to them about it. You know, if you have that kind of relationship, I think that's important. Ask them if they have different things. Tell them if that's what you want to tell them. Like, how did you get there? What did you do? Can you teach me some of the things that you've learned along the way? Maybe some of the books you've read, all this kind of stuff. It's very important. I think some of the big takeaways is, number one, always have their back, right? If they've earned your trust, always have their back. Put their needs before yours. If you do that, you're solid. Um it's okay to call people out on their bullshit as long as you reward them when they're doing the right things, right? And I don't mean you yell and scream at them, but make it very clear, like, you need to have an open and honest relationship with people. It doesn't mean you need to be best friends with them, by the way. Like, I think people confuse those two things, trust and best friends. That's, that's, there needs to be a line. You've got to have the line of authority there sometimes if, if they're out of line, right? So you don't allow them to get away with bullshit and order and not just because you're being a jerk or anything, but because you want them to do their best, right? Because you know they're better than what they're showing right now and you want to help them get there. Reward them when they do well, right? It doesn't have to be money all the time. It's attention sometimes, right? Positive attention. Um, you need to let people be able to fail small so they can have big successes, right? Uh, flip the hierarchy and that's just humbling yourself. I'm not a big, I take my job seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. I work for you. You don't work for me. Flip the hierarchy, right? Uh, you don't need to take credit. I cannot stand this. And this is, thanks again, Mike, for teaching me this one. Giving credit to others first. Imagine what that does for the loyalty long-term. Just imagine, especially when you're in front of other people. Even if they help with 1%, hey, this person played a big part in this, right? Recognize that person, right? Hey, we hit this number as a team. Those people are the reasons we hit this number, not me. Those people right there, please give them the credit because they earned it, not me, right? It is selfless and it's 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 altruistically self-serving too. You're, you're giving them credit, but you know what you're getting back, loyalty, and everybody knows, right? Everybody already knows that you're successful for a reason. Um, listen to people, teach people, right? And I, I get impatient sometimes. I'm trying to become a better teacher but empower people to take their ideas and make them a reality if and only if they're willing to put the work in, not because they have an idea and they want to just toss it on somebody else to do the work to get there. If they're willing to put it in, do that as well. So Andy, Mike, man, thank you very much for all you've done for me. I hope to give as much as I can back. Steal from the best. Everybody steal from the best. It's okay to steal if you're using it to help other people right? Sort of in this capacity, whatever. We'll just go with that. And thanks for joining us on the all in podcast. Thanks for listening to the all in podcast. See you next time.